Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. Uh, My guest today is Gene Shafiroff, the author of a book entitled Successful Philanthropy and How to Make a Life of What You Give. And she has her own uh, show on LTV and has been very active in the community in providing funding for many, many things that are in need. And I want to welcome you, Jean. Talk, talk, thank you, Dan. Talk, talk a little bit first about the book and when you decided you wanted to write one and what, what's in it and what, what does it tell people? Sure. Yeah, so I wrote a Successful Philanthropy, How to Make a Life by What You Give, back in 2016. And I was actually approached by Heatherly Press to write this book a few years before. It's not self-published and uh, they wanted me to write a book. I was very, very busy, very involved with the Southampton Hospital Gala, chairing it many times and many other charities. And I didn't have the time. So finally, in summer of 2015, I stayed in New York City a lot and just wrote. And my husband would say, well, we have a home in the Hamptons. Why don't we go out and enjoy the weekend? I said, no, I have to finish the book. (laughs) But it was a labor of love. And the premise of the book is that anyone can be a philanthropist. If you don't have the money, you can give your time and knowledge. However, if you have the money, I believe you have an obligation to give. That's the first part of the book. The second part of the book is the details on if you join a board, well, this will be expected of you, how to treat people involved in philanthropy, those you serve, those that you work with, and then your donors, and and many other facts, legacy giving and all sorts of issues, fundraising, anything that might be important to someone who's seriously interested in getting involved in philanthropy on a higher level. What brought you to become interested in philanthropy rather than something else? Well, it was a combination of things. I grew up on Long Island. My father was a school teacher. My mom a stay-at-home mother. And I attended 12 years of Catholic school where the nuns taught the importance of giving back. However, I will add, Dan, that all religions teach the importance of giving back. And it's not specific to one religion. And my dad was also very interested in his students and their progress, and of course, the family. My mother volunteered at our school, and we saw people around us involved in giving back. And I think that started my journey as a very young philanthropist, just getting involved in as a Girl Scout in little things we did, and then bake sales and everything else at school. 
I do have an MBA from Columbia Business School. But before that, my first career was as a physical therapist. I have a BS in physical therapy from Columbia University. And I had the opportunity to work at St. Luke's Hospital, which is a real inner city hospital in New York City. And what did I learn from that? Well, most of my patients lived at or below the poverty level. And then they had serious illnesses. I realized life is not equal and we have to do something to help others. When I went back to school for my MBA and then worked on Wall Street for a few years, I was married. A year later, I got pregnant. And my husband and I were both working very long hours. I stopped working to take care of our first child, our first daughter, and then slowly got involved in philanthropy because my husband and I both believe in it. And today I serve on eight charity boards. I host my TV show, Successful Philanthropy. And in the next couple of years, I'm going to write a sequel to Successful Philanthropy, update it and put in more current uh, stories. I'm also in the process of uh, finishing up another book. So I'm busy. (laughs) And every year I chair about eight or nine charity galas, and then I host different charity events in my home. What are the boards you're on? I'm asking the question because I suspect it's a a variety of things rather than a pinpoint one. So tell me, tell me the boards that you're, you're on. Yes. Well, first I have four areas of focus healthcare, women's rights, rights of underserved population, and then animal rights. So my boards are Southampton Hospital Association, New York Women's Foundation, Mission Society of New York City, Casita Maria, French Heritage Society, Global Strays, American Humane, and then Southampton Animal Shelter Honorary Board. I am a Catholic and I served on the board of the Jewish board, which is a very large social service charity in the state of New York. I served on that for 28 years and now I'm an honorary trustee. I feel like I left something out. I'll remember it. Oh, Couture Council, the museum at FIT. That's another board I serve on. It's all very exciting to me. Oh, I, I Well, boards usually meet once a month. And so that takes up a lot, a lot of time on on a couple of them, but nowhere near like the, what you've done. And, it, and while you were telling me that, I was trying to think about, go back to when you were a kid, when uh, when you were, you said you were a Girl Scout. And, and do you remember the first time, the first place and first thing that came to, into your mind that made you think about the need to help others? And uh, in that context, as a as a young young woman, young girl. Yes. And although I grew up very middle class, we were very conscious of the fact from our teachers that there were people who had less than us and who really struggled. And I remember in school, there were collections like for pennies and nickels and quarters for underserved populations. Back then, we did not use that terminology. They said people who lived in poverty. But we were very, very young and we had compassion. And part of what I say in my book, Successful Philanthropy, How to Make a Life by What You Give, 
is the following. I believe philanthropy has to be taught, not only at home, but also in schools. And how do you get people and young children involved first? The first thing you do at a very, very young age is teach them to share and to be kind to others. The next step is to get them involved in giving projects. And if the parents can get involved with their children, well, that's even more effective. And these, it could be a little league team. It could be almost anything, but some something where children are involved in helping people and animals and the environment, any group that needs help. Which, well, my question was, uh... Was there any one thing that came to mind that was suddenly in your mind as as a young girl uh, that uh, made you think this was an important uh, way to go? Or was it just an accumulation of things from how you were raised? I think an accumulation of things. And then uh, I was a good student. I liked to read. And if you read a lot, you saw there were visuals, people suffering. and 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 that leaves an impression. I do remember in Catholic school, the nuns showing us footage of all the suffering during World War II in Nazi Germany. And it was really horrible. And I think that left an impression on all of us because World War II and, and what happened in Germany was really horrific. And Sadly, we have a war going on right now in the Ukraine, and I just hope it ends soon. My heart goes out to all the people who are suffering, and I think it's very important that we all get involved in helping, even though it's difficult. Our governments are involved, and it's very difficult, say, on social media to take a big stance because, well, you get yourself in a situation where someone might go after you. So in, wars are very, very tricky. And But human suffering is a horrible thing. So things like that. And then later on in life, I took uh, different trips, uh, once to Cambodia, and we visited orphanages and people that really lived in, in very dire conditions. I helped out there. And then my youngest daughter has a charity called Global Strays, and privately funded, we've taken trips to Nicaragua, uh, very poor parts of Costa Rica, uh, Colombia, where we, we fund animal rescue groups and education on the proper care of animals. And on those trips, we saw a lot of human suffering. And that leaves an impression that you, you come back to the United States and you realize we live in a complete bubble a bubble of plenty, and it's our obligation to do something to help those in need. You mentioned something I, I was struck by, which was about teaching this in schools, and it isn't right now. Um, you, you know, all, all the classes and courses people take, nothing comes up like that. It may come up in, in your religion or, you know, in church or synagogue or whatever, but not in the schools. Did you ever think about how that might look, what, what someone would teach, how, how it would be seen? How would you see that in a school? Yes, well, right now, many 
private schools have community service requirements of high school students. And these requirements are such that the children or the youth have to go into uh, different situations and volunteer. I think that's very important. A few years back, I went into a public school. I was asked to go into a public school to talk to sixth graders about my book and about philanthropy that was in New York City. And that went very, very well. I think we have to have courses early on or just community service projects for children so that they learn about the importance of giving. And then, of course, the greatest role models in the world to young children are their parents. And if parents are involved in philanthropy and then get their children involved, it starts the cycle. Children learn by following and by seeing people actually doing. And of course, the teachers, if they teach this, is it's very important too. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about uh, another thing since um, both of us, I think, have been in, but you far more than I, uh, in, involved in fundraising, not fundraising, but galas and things like things of that sort. And I've often thought that there was a, a sort of uh, similarity or cookie cutter quality to some of the galas that you had uh, someone would be honored, you'd have an entertainer. I mean, I mean, the idea is to make people feel good about themselves for having given. I mean, that's the goal. But I also thought, and maybe you, uh, you could shed some light on it, of, of different kinds of ways to honor people than just having what we see right now, you know, which is, seems like well, you, if you if you go see, we're, we probably have like three or four fundraisers this week, you know, but they they ha they have a similarity to them. If if you didn't know what the, the, the it was for, you might not be able to figure it out until you actually got there and they explained it to you. But the things that go on is you know uh, dinner, you know, and speeches and then dancing and it's sort of it's sort of repetitive in many ways. And I wondered if you ever thought or experienced. Um, uh, fundraisers that have uh, broke the mold or were in a different way effective than uh, than the, the usual. Yes. Well, first, I want to clarify something about a fundraiser. Fundraisers are generally galas are put on to raise money right. and not to make people feel good about giving, but to raise money. And then also to raise visibility about a cause. And I remember years back when I got involved with uh, Southampton Hospital, it was because I read about their gala. And then I realized, well, what's the most important institution in the Hamptons to support? And in my mind, I said, well, it's the hospital because without a hospital, people don't wanna live in a community. So today, Stony Brook Southampton Hospital serves the entire community. They don't turn anyone away. But getting back to other models of raising money, I've received letters from different charities where they say, instead of doing an in-person charity gala, we're just asking that you send a check. And 
and they raised money that way. And then, of course, during the pandemic, we had many virtual galas and charities raise money in many different ways. If they're looking to fund one particular project, uh, they may present that big project to a few large donors and raise money that way. There may be naming opportunities. Someone can get their name on a building or can be the funders of a project. There are a million different ways. Well, I wouldn't say a million, but many different ways that charities raise money. And I've always been involved as a volunteer fundraiser and a donor. I don't think it's fair for me just to go out and raise money, even as a volunteer, if I myself don't give. So if I'm chairing a gala, I certainly buy a table and do much more and raise a lot of money. And tables are always at all different levels. And like anyone else, I'm not a billionaire. I'm not uh, like Bill Gates or <laughs> others. I do what I can. And I'm very grateful and I feel very honored to be involved because it's there's a beauty in giving. When you give, you feel good. And when you have resources, well, we have an obligation. And I always say, and I put this in my book, no one's going to really remember most of us for the business we created or the vacation we took. No one's going to remember us, but we are here for a purpose and we have an obligation and we should do what we can to help those who truly suffer or those that don't have a voice for their themselves. And I want to say that one group that we more or less neglected are people with physical disabilities and other uh, disabilities. And I think moving forward, we need to concentrate on groups that can't really speak for themselves. That includes people and then animals. And also looking forward, I think we have to focus on our environment more and work on global warming and other problems and even just getting rid of all the, the garbage in the world and, and how that will affect long-term our water supplies. I agree. And uh, I also just want to compliment you for the course you've taken. I think uh, each of us tries to do something meaningful that would satisfy ourselves. And and uh, sometimes people succeed at that, or sometimes they don't, and then they do other things and try other ways. But uh, you've done a wonderful thing. And uh, I wanted to compliment you on that. And Thank you very much, Dan. And I want to compliment you too, because you've done a lot. You uh, ran Dan's paper for many, many years, and uh, you always promoted philanthropy through the press. And I think that's very important. I yeah. also want to say something to the audiences listening. If you don't have the resources, you can become a philanthropist by volunteering. Give your time and give your knowledge, and never underestimate the value of what you can bring to the table and what you can do. And if you go to an organization, a charity, and they ignore you, well, there's another charity. There are, I don't know how many thousands of charities in the United States, but 
you must be treated with dignity and respect. Likewise, uh, you also must treat others with dignity and respect. The value of life is key and we can all give something and in return, we feel good and we get great satisfaction. And there's great beauty in giving and helping those that need a helping hand. And I can't think of anything more fulfilling than the process of philanthropy. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, learning more about not only what you're giving, but also giving uh, knowledge to others to go about it themselves from the book. What do you have? Can you tell me anything about a book that you're working on? Well, you're never supposed to talk about the books you're working on, but it's in the area of motivation and uplifting people. Dan, I didn't mention I, I have a big social media following on Instagram where I have over a million followers and my platform is all about philanthropy, positivity, and then fashion, which is a hobby of mine. And I just want to reiterate philanthropy is key, but also remaining positive. Be positive about your life. And to parents, make sure that you give your children a sense of feeling good about who they are and what they're capable of doing. If, if, you, if you raise your children with a positive outlook on life and about themselves, they're going to thrive and flourish. Of course, they have to learn good work skills, honesty, and being nice people and good people. But positivity is really key. So I try to promote that through my Instagram, which is at Jean Shafiroff. And then I have another Instagram account, Jean at Jean Shafiroff at work. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. And I just want to say, have a good time. Enjoy your summer. But never forget those that truly need you. And it might be helping people you'll never meet, you'll never see in your life. But knowing that you've done something is a feel-good experience, and it changes this world. And thank you so much for this interview, Dan. Sure. Thank you. And I'll, I'll see you at the next fundraiser. I don't, I'm going to Long, Long, uh, Long House uh, tomorrow night. Maybe. Maybe that's maybe I'll see you there. You Any won't problem? see me because I'm chairing the Southampton Animal Shelter Gala, which happens to be the same night. Yes, there's so many this weekend. And Otherwise, I'd be at Longhouse, but as I've learned, you can't be in two places at once. Sometimes you can go to three or four different things, but when I chair a gala, I you got it. That my yeah. undivided attention is focused on that gala. Well, thanks again, and uh, I'll see you soon as we keep running into each other, too. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>